Good morning, everybody. This is Judith Hope. You're listening to Mad Love. Let's get into it. So, yeah, today, happy Friday. It's unbelievable. It's August the 18th. So, I mean, goals and dreams, things you've been working on, things that you thought you would want to do in 2023, you need to get on it. And I need to do the same. Um, I've had a good year so far, though. Uh, I can't complain. It's going quickly. Uh, There's some things that I need to improve and that I would like to see change. But for the most part, everything is going uh, the way I would want it to go. Just I feel like I'm a little bit in a holding pattern, though. I'd like to go a little bit faster. But anybody who knows me knows that that's just my personality. When I make my mind up, I expect something to happen like ASAP. And sometimes that's not always true, as you as evidenced by my career, as you can see. So anyway, um, I was listening to something. I'm telling you, this Snow White sounds like it's going to be a disaster. So apparently the young actress who is she looks Latina, but her name is like Rachel Ziegler or Ziegler or something like that. And uh, I don't know what her background is, but she definitely, you know, does not look like just a regular um, white female, right? She looks like she's mixed with something. So I'm sure that was a conscious choice. She looks like a Latina, really, to me, but I don't know, and I don't care. So Disney decided to make this live-action version of Snow White that nobody asked for. And I think this is part of why everybody's on strike. This is part of why people are mad, is because the studios have decided to make some very bizarre decisions. The main one being not paying everybody from streaming, but there are other issues. And they've gone so far overboard with trying to be inclusive and equal or whatever, but it's so ridiculous. Patrick Bed David talks about this and I like him. I wish he had a different type of panel because it's just, every time I watch it's four four guys he's one of four and none of them seem to be as articulate as he is no disrespect to them they just one of them just seems to you know he I guess his job is to sum things up in some sort of ham-fisted way but I'm not criticizing them that's the formula that works for them I just I can't watch his channel regularly because it's too it's too much of a bro channel for me But anyway, he has been talking about it and I've been watching other videos like it is just a nightmare what they're doing to Snow White. And it's also destroying so many people of all backgrounds who just liked Disney's Snow White. And I don't understand. You can't rewrite history. No one cared. I grew up watching all these cartoons that didn't have black people in them. That didn't mean I couldn't like the story, you know, and I think people are getting confused. Like these studios are so out of touch. When I tell you these people have no idea what regular people think or talk about, I know you can tell that because of the way they're running these studios. They've gotten so far away from the creative part of it. And I used to have this debate at Howard all the time. I I had professors who would be like, you're never going to be able to be uh successful commercially and tell great stories they'd always say that great art and commercial and commerciality or whatever the word is i forgot what how they said it 
But basically, it was like, you can't be commercial and make great art. That's basically the theme that I got at Howard Film School. And I always bucked against that because I liked a lot of things that were very well done. And I guess I was just in a great time frame because Silence of the Lambs is a, is a terrifyingly good story. Okay. And it was commercially successful. Uh, when Harry Met Sally, good story, commercially successful. And I can go on down the line. I have a lot of movies that I love that were great stories. The War of the Roses, financially successful, funny, hilarious story. Um, you know, Boys in the Hood, great story, commercially successful. Uh, so it can happen. But now the studios are so big and they're, they bought up all these different uh, other media companies and they have to make so much money that now all they care about are these giant films. And I know I don't, I just feel like Warner brothers is gonna, gonna take the success of Barbie and think that that means what other Mattel toys can we make movies? You know, that's not really the point. The point is that whatever this movie is about really struck a chord with people and I'm I've not seen it. I've heard that it's the feminism that speaks to people, but instead of worrying about how to, you know, copy Barbie's success, just worry about working with talented directors with a vision with great screenwriters who tell great stories and making really solid film. And I think now we just don't have a lot of people who have a background in film. They have a background, excuse me, <clears throat> in um you know, they have MBAs. They don't they don't necessarily view movies as uh, art. They think of it as commerce, a way to make some money. And that's not what film is. I mean, you can make money off of it, but really, if you want to have a successful film company, you need to focus on uh, you know, making great movies and maybe not always, um, trying to hit a home run and, and guessing what you think people will flock to in droves. Cause obviously people are tired of that. If you can't get a Marvel hit, then, you know, you got a problem. And then you got, you know, Larry Fink who runs Blackstone, who I, which I admire, but I don't think this ESG thing is is very smart and I can't tell you what it stands for because I don't really know but he has created all of these rules uh you know Larry Fink is a Jewish Democrat uh nothing against Jewish people I have no issue with Jewish people I respect and admire uh many Jewish people and I have Jewish friends um but the thing with this ESG, and I think people just get too rich and too powerful. George Soros is one of them. And they think they can tell people what to do. And I think he uh, sent out this letter, basically, and it, he's a huge investor in Disney. And he sent this letter out like, you, you can only do certain things. And some of those things are these kind of um, uh, all-inclusive remakes of you know the Disney catalog which doesn't make sense you didn't need to do that Disney just killed their own company and they didn't need to do that they've made expensive flop after flop after flop 
And that was a company that all they ever had to do from here on out to stay in the black is just re-release their classics every five to 10 years. Just, just pick one and one of many because they were on a roll in the early 90s. I, have, I was watching The Lion King. That was ridiculous, but it was good. You know what I mean? Like their movies were entertaining. They didn't have to go this far. And I'm not sure why this Snow White is even called Snow White anymore. There, I don't think there's going to be a prince. I mean, it's just, it seems like a nightmare. And now they're just destroying their own stuff, trying to overcompensate. I'm telling you, the liberalism is not, it's not any better than this extreme right wing stuff. And at the end of the day, you just start, you're just starting to see that people are being manipulated by rich people because they think they know what's better for you. These liberals, I'm telling you, have a conversation with a very wealthy liberal and their tone and how they, they have this sort of like righteous superiority and they will be talking about black people and black people problems like they understand it all and they know how to fix it. And there's no humility and there's no asking black people because I'm telling you, this person was talking to me like I was not black at all. Like I never even had met black people. She had made this speech a million times and uh, she was just talking to me like I couldn't possibly understand the problems that black people have. Spoiler alert. If you don't know me, I'm black. So it was weird. And so... You know, I just feel like you, we've got all these people who think they know what's better, the best for people, especially, you know, p- poor people or people of color. And those are not the same thing. They are mutually exclusive. Uh, television will have you believe that all poor people are black and all black people are poor. And that is not true. Um, and it's just like these billionaires are doing us a giant disservice. And again, look at our television programming. I don't watch a lot of TV and I know why. Everything's a competition. Almost every reality show is a competition or it's some weird glamorization of uh, lifestyles that aren't necessarily reflective of everybody. And none of these women can get along. Everybody's fighting. Everybody's screaming at each other. There's a, you know, everybody feels really entitled to, to say the most horrific things to people's faces. You know, everybody's in survival mode. Everybody's trying to survive something. It's very strange. Um, people are finding love on contests on TV, which sounds ridiculous. It's very bizarre. And I, I really respect what BlackRock was able to build. I think Larry Fink probably had good intentions, but to destroy the film industry based off of these these rules uh, that they keep coming up with to include everybody, can we just make great movies? Leave the movie business alone. People just like good stories. Of course, everybody wants to see themselves on screen, but if you were fair and equitable with the deals you make with other filmmakers and not just the three or four to five that you like and and everybody's trying to get Christopher Nolan you know if you if you would 
open up your purse strings for maybe some new voices, then you wouldn't have to overcompensate by, you know, hemming up productions with all these weird rules. Like, Google the rules to win an Oscar now. There's so many great movies that never would have even been nominated with these rules. And it's like, why are you destroying a great film business? Nobody cares about winning awards. Truthfully, that's for the actors. And that's the when people are jerking themselves off, the awards are great. But that's not why people who truly love the medium do this. They don't care about winning awards. It's nice to win awards, but people who are really good at their craft, people who've really sacrificed for this work, the awards are nice, but that that's not why you do it. It's a calling. You know? I just don't get it. I love movies, obviously. I just, I want the film business to recover. It's never going to be the same. The longer these strikes go, you know, the the more of this current version that gets destroyed. And I'm okay with that. But when it gets built back, I want it to be built back better. We need a better box. So, I just, I don't know. That's the thing that was on my mind. I was talking to one of my friends yesterday, my college roommate, And we were chatting and, you know, it's funny because we hit on the topic of Beyonce. And is it weird to anybody else? Because I didn't know she felt it. I know she is a a Beyonce fan, but she was sort of like, isn't it weird that there's no, she has absolutely no competition. And I was like, I think that's weird too. Like, there are, are there's absolutely no other show apparently like people bought tickets um there was a story i heard where a girl bought a ticket a woman bought a ticket for twelve hundred dollars or something like that as soon as the show came out and then as the show drew closer because it wasn't sold out beyonce lowered those tickets to two hundred dollars and this lady was furious and i don't blame her i mean i wouldn't pay a thousand dollars to see anybody i don't know who I I don't know who I there's nobody I would pay a thousand dollars to see um but so she did that and now like to know that you could have gotten the tickets for eight hundred dollars less it's gangster and I was like yeah and that's weird because there's no competition for Beyonce you know we we came we were at Howard there was like I remember listening to Anita Baker to Charday um then there was Janet Jackson and then you could go and listen to Tracy Chapman if that's what you wanted to listen to it was all kinds of different varieties of women women of color and then don't even get on like Edie Brickell um you know if you want to listen to like uh, Tori Amos oh there was all kinds of different females I listened to but when we start talking R&B or black music you know it was just a ton of artists and you could you have variety and now it's like just Beyonce did she get rid of the competition like what happened there's like nobody but her so you know me I I watch a lot of YouTube videos and there are theories as to why that's the case but I know for me personally I'm just ready for whatever this version of of everything is to be over 
because I like music and I like I like Beyonce, but I think it's odd that she went from singing about being a survivor and being all independent when she was young to now being in her 40s, mom of three, married, singing about she want to go missing and she needs a prescription and, you know, what the hell? So now you want to get drunk and high now that you got three kids. That makes no sense. Where did the independent woman go? And I have to say, I think she was different after Lemonade. Because after Lemonade, it was clear that she was going to put up with a lot to keep her husband. And I don't know. Maybe he did break your soul. You could just sing a song and say he didn't, but maybe he did. I don't know. But Break My Soul is a good song, so I do enjoy that song. <laughs> I like the little house house vibe it's got. But, yeah, I don't understand why I can't go listen to somebody else. You know, they're, they're, they're nobody else is being pushed the way Beyonce is being pushed. You know, it's like she is the only singer. <laughs> and then I think if you move out of uh, R&B you can put Taylor Swift up there. So it's like Taylor Swift and Beyonce represent all women. That's it. It's strange. This is a strange time. And I almost feel bad that people made money in the in the media business because they just came in and destroyed it. Kids don't know. I was explaining yesterday how great and funny the movie Weird Science is to, to my younger co-workers. They were looking at me like, we've never heard of this film. And I was like, Weird Science? It's hilarious. It's from 1985. They'd never make this movie now. There were some imp- inappropriate things. But it was politically incorrect and hilarious. That bar scene is one of the funniest things in the world. And they would never make it today. And it's like, you all really missed out. Because I saw the politically incorrect uh, movies that shaped my life and were hilarious. Bad News Bears, the real Bad News Bears from like 1977 or whatever with Tatum O'Neill, hilarious. Politically incorrect, hilarious. I didn't even bother to watch the remake because I know they would have sanitized it and it would have just made me mad. You know, little, I watched something called Little Darlings on Channel 11. They would never make that movie now. Another Tatum O'Neill movie with uh, uh, Christy Nicholson. Hilarious, wildly inappropriate. Stripes. I remember Stripes with Bill Murray. And he had a camping movie, Meatballs. That's politically incorrect, too. I'm pretty sure they wouldn't make that. Because all the, the the teenage camp counselors just really wanted to have sex, and I'm sure they don't want they don't want to put those kinds of things in movies because I don't know they really happen, but they happen in real life. But the movies now just can't show real life because real life is just it's uh, people are too dumb to to want to see real life. They can't handle real life. It's so weird. I don't understand why movies and TV sanitizes everything. So now you can't say the word retarded, right? But why? There are still retarded people in the world. And that doesn't stop people from being mean to each other. You cannot take use media to make people behave a certain way. I mean, they're trying their darndest. 
You can see it. If you pay attention, you can see they're they're trying to manipulate you into to some sort of monotone, monolithic way of thinking. And it's not working because the movies and media does not reflect what is happening in the real world. They're really, 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 really detached. And what makes movies so great is when the artists and the creative people are allowed to tell the stories they want to tell. They reflect real life. That's the irony. But when when these money-grubbing suits get involved, they fuck it up. They just come and fuck it up. I mean, I haven't been in love with the movies in probably like 10 or 15 years. I'm still in love with the movies that I'm in love with. But it's been a long time since I was so excited about a summer box office. I used to I used to read Premiere Magazine. I used to have... Um, my mom had a pres- uh, prescription, a subscription. I need a subscription. Um, she had a subscription to, I want to say AFI. That doesn't sound right. My mom wouldn't have a, pres- a subscription to that. I had a subscription maybe to AFI. When the American Film Institute had a magazine, I had that. I used to read Entertainment Weekly. I mean, I was really immersed into this probably until the late 2010s aughts the late 2000s probably as I got older and life crept in more I couldn't be obsessive about film and the film wasn't as good I remember it was like 2013 2014 2015 it'd be one or two movies I had to see but nothing made but this year I'm gonna watch Barbie whenever it comes out I'm gonna watch Are You There God It's Me Margaret because I love Rachel McAdams and I love Judy Bloom. but it's not like when I was younger the quality of the movies aren't as good and I just you know the quality isn't that good so we'll see we'll see it doesn't it doesn't appeal to me because I'm in my 50s I don't necessarily want to watch Fast and Furious and is somebody going to ever tell us why they're so furious why y'all so mad Yes, and that's how I got the name Mad Love. I went to Spoken uh, spoken Word concert in Chicago with my friend Terry, and uh, comedian Godfrey was in that group. My crush all through Howard was there, Patrick. And we go to this place, and there was a spoken word artist, and his name was Mad Love. And the crowd would, uh, they loved him, and the MC would be like, Why are you so mad? Why are you so mad? And I was like, oh, I love that. And when I was trying to think of a name for this podcast, I was like, oh, yeah, Mad Love. Um, And that's where that came from. But yes, is anybody going to tell us why they're so furious? Why are y'all so furious and driving all fast? What's going on? All right, everybody, have an amazing Friday. Be your best. Have a great day. Great weekend. Fall in love with yourself. Fall in love with your life. Uh, It matters. It's important. You know, the way you feel about yourself is the way other people are going to feel about you. So if you're not in love with you, how can you expect someone else to be in love with you? Um, That's just so important. And it's a lesson that I've learned and you have to learn it too. And you will watch your life transform. The day you fall in love with yourself, you will know. And I'm not talking about in some narcissistic, egocentric way. You know what I mean. That day that you gush over yourself the way you gush over somebody else that you like or you're fond of or you're proud of, when you start doing that for yourself, your life will absolutely transform.
you know. So take care of yourselves. Have a great weekend. Thank you for listening. You guys have been amazing. Continue to like, share, subscribe, hit those five stars. I just appreciate you in ways I cannot even articulate, which is saying something. Because I have words and opinions for everything. Take care.